Coming to you from the Forge of Freedom studio in the heart of America, a podcast dedicated to preserving freedom and inspiring personal success. Freedom is born and lives through you, the individual, and it dies in the shadows of tyranny. Motivating our listeners to become well-rounded, freedom-minded people with the body of an athlete, the mind of a stoic, and the spirit of a warrior. The Tree of Liberty lives on through you, the Forge of Freedom. And now here's your host, Alex Uli. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Forge of Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uli, and this is episode 84 of the Forge of Freedom. Today, I have a special guest uh, here in the studio, uh, Gabe New. Gabe is a respected authority in the firearms industry. Uh, I think you got your, we'll find out more about this, but I think he got his start like doing holsters and, and sort of concealment stuff. Uh, but he's also a, a skilled shooter and instructor and has a channel on YouTube called Pujitsu, which uh, I, I love that name because I think it sort of captures uh, a number of things that people miss about firearms and, and firearms training uh, in terms of a discipline. Uh, so we'll, we'll certainly get into that here in the discussion today. Uh, but first, uh, Gabe, welcome to the show. Thank you. So Gabe, I, I found your channel, uh, as we were discussing briefly before we hit the record button, I found it on Facebook, and I think it had been shared by John Correa. Of course, for those who don't know, John Correa runs the Active Self Protection uh, channel on YouTube, a popular channel. And he shared one of your videos that led me to your your channel. And I saw your description on your channel, and, and it said, My name is Gabriel New, and I'm a Christ follower, husband, father, a gardener training to be a warrior. And I just love that. And I thought, you know, this this captures so much uh, about what I try to uh, message on this channel at the Forge of Freedom, because we talk about firearms, we talk about personal responsibility and all things freedom. And, and your description there covers a, a wide gamut there, you know, the gardener training to be a warrior, you know, and of course, gardening encapsulates sort of providing for your family and the warrior protecting your family. And, uh, and of course you've got the faith aspect there with the Christ follower, but would you mind to say a little bit about, about your description there about, about who you are and, and how you got started in the, the firearms world? Sure. Like you say, I think that that kind of encapsulates my life. I, I love to garden both, um, as a hobby and I'd, I'd probably do it professionally if I could, but, um, you know, the, the Romans, not that they're uh, to be looked up to as the end-all, be-all, they, they valued uh, farming and fighting uh, as kind of the, the first two industries, as they were, they were what their civilization was kind of founded on. If you didn't have those two, you didn't have a civilization, because especially at that time, uh, you, you know, food was, food was harder to come by, and you were always at risk of being attacked. And so, thankfully, society is a lot more stable now. But I feel like those two things of providing and protecting are still uh, fundamental to everyone, but uh, to fathers especially. And so that's kind of kind of how that's come about. But uh, yeah, so as you mentioned, I, I got into holsters, um, not sure, maybe nine years ago. And that's uh, about the time I met John Korea, actually, which is uh, related in the sense that it's when I started getting serious about training. Not that long before my my son was 
quite young and um, I was I was dry practicing in the living room and he was in in a diaper at the time and he had a little plastic pistol and he sticking it down his diaper and I was kind of following along as as he saw me draw and, and press and uh, I thought man this is so great being a dad is awesome and I'm gonna I'm gonna teach him everything I know when he gets older and it was it was so funny because I still remember it um, just like it was yesterday that it was as if God looked down and he laughed at me and he said but you don't know anything and I just had to smack my forehead like you know what here I am I think I'm I'm good but when I realized what it takes to teach then all of a sudden you realize you don't know a subject that deeply and so um, at the time I was farming and I couldn't really justify going out and spending a bunch of money on training but when I switched to making holsters of course uh, that all changed thankfully and so that's when I got serious about training um, like most people started with the NRA instructorship and that's that's a valuable course um, not because they go into any any great depth um, but because it's it's good for covering some legal basics beginning to understand how people learn and that adult learning is uh, kind of a thing of its own and that um, you know it's a great way to get uh, insurance that is, is crucially important so it kind of opens some doors and a lot of people recognize it but uh, I went from there on to uh, the range master course with Tom Givens and that was back in I want to say 2019 and I just took the I uh, just took his advanced course in January of this year, so I'm hoping to take his uh, master course next year, and we'll we'll see going on from there. I hear he's also got a professional pistol course instructor as well, and that's that's you know higher yet. So, but Tom's a great guy. Yeah. He's he's obviously very influential. If I had to point to anybody who's been more influential, um, I don't think I could do it just because. So many of the other people that I've trained with, trained with him and learned from him. So uh, he's kind of the teacher of my teachers as well in, in a real sense. Well, that was going to be one of my my questions. So I'm glad you you mentioned it. Who who has had a, a significant impact on on your development as a an instructor and a a, a firearms owner and and uh, uh, you know a person. And I, I think that Tom Givens. It ranks right up there with some with one of the best, if not the best, uh, instructors, at least in the United States, if not the world. Um, my father and I did a an episode a little bit ago about trainers that people should know, and he's he's certainly one of them. And I think we we said I can't quote it exactly that it anybody who has trained with Tom Gibbons or has a Range Master certification probably has their ducks in a row or or knows what they're doing because. One thing that's difficult, and I'd like you to talk about this a little bit too, is uh, how do you find good training? What what do you look for in an instructor? Uh, and how do you, I, I guess, was that a motivation for you? Because it was for me, uh, my, my I and my family are, are all instructors and we run a business together. And part of the reason we got into the training business is because we thought that there was sort of a lack of quality training. Was that a motivation for you? And, and uh, whether it was or not, uh, what would you tell people about what they need to look for when they're looking for quality instruction? Yes. Uh, I, I think there is absolutely a dearth of, of quality instructors out there. There's no shortage of terrible instructors. Um, and, you know, 
if I would say that if the NRA instructorship is the only qualification they have, that's a huge red flag to me. Uh, it says they've done the bare minimum, and you know that's that's not very much. People don't realize just how little that is. Uh, if if you're an instructor, I say this to everybody, not just to you. Uh, you really owe it to yourself to go to some classes with range master or somebody of their caliber because not only will you learn from the material in his class you'll i learned so much uh, attending his courses just from watching him run a range the way he runs a range is just masterful the way he handles his curriculum he's got his time management down and the way he's able to take you know the the, the people who want to interrupt and kind of run the class themselves and give war stories is it, he's just masterful so if you're an instructor, you really ought to go take one of his classes. It's fantastic. As to how to find good instructors, uh, there is a list. Um, I can't I can't point you to a link off the top of my head, but um, basically I would look for a range master instructor. Um, they're they're all over the nation. There's almost surely somebody near you, and that's kind of a good start. Just you know, without I'm sure they're not all perfect. There's obviously wide level of experience and skill in instructing, but that's a pretty good indication that, that they're continuing training. And also uh, just look at their, you know, at their bio and, and see when was the last time they sought professional help. Because um, some of the, you know, all of the best instructors that I know continue to train under other people. Uh, Tom himself takes a couple classes every year uh, from instructors that normally train under him because he's always looking to get better, even in, even at this stage in the game. So, you know, yeah. staying a student is, is just so important. Well, I, I, I think that's a, a good point, um, you know, using the Range Master certification as sort of a, a filter to, to weed through some of the, the bad instruction out there. Uh, in, in some ways, seeking out good instruction is, is a little bit like you, you were a holster guy, uh, you know, People who are new to guns have a hard time finding a good holster. They don't know. There's so many options out there. You don't know where to look, and you end up with a bin full of junk before you find the, the right one. Uh, and, and fortunately, if, if people just do a little bit of digging and uh, you look for somebody who's got this Range Master for certification, I think you're, you're probably going to be in good hands. Um, I love the story you tell about your, your son uh, and how you sort of had this epiphany that you know, I was going to teach him all these things, but I didn't really know anything that, 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 that God sent you this message that, man, I, I really don't know much. Uh, it was sort of a, uh, a, a moment of humility for me. I had that sort of epiphany when, when I get, got my first, what I would call quality training. Uh, so I, I took like you, I took an, uh, NRA basic course and then the instructor course, but I still felt like I was missing a lot. Uh, sort of the more, you know, the more you don't, you, you realize you don't know. Right. So, uh, at the time, about a decade ago, I was listening to Tom Gresham and, and decided to take a class with Tiger McKee in Alabama, uh, who was a, of course, a Clint Smith disciple from Thunder Ranch. Did you have an, uh, an epiphany, uh, you know, when you went to a training and, and thought like, man, there's just so much, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure you did have that moment. Do you, do you recollect that, and, and where was it, and what was that like? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if it was a blessing or not, but I, I came to training pretty late in life. Uh, I, I think that 
people assume that because shooting is simple, that it's also easy, and that if you're not very good at it, it's be simply because you haven't practiced it. But the reality is there are some, I'm sure you're aware, there's some crucial details that, you know, they are simple, but they're not easy. And it's unlikely that you're going to come to those uh, realizations on your own. And so I was in my 30s when I uh, took my first training course, and it was at the uh, rightfully criticized, but um, front, it, it was at Front Sight, and, and they had some pretty serious issues, but they also had some good things. You know, they taught me the basics. And he was a member there who was a friend of ours who, who talked me into going. And uh, even though they kind of gave me some training scars with some bad habits, they also uh, kind of got me started realizing that it's more complicated than I thought, and I can go seek training elsewhere. And uh, so that's kind of kind of what got me started. And that's when I got there and I saw the details. Um, yeah, that, that was when it really hit me. Hey, there's more to this than I just need to shoot more you know, cause it's not that easy. So we teach a lot of basic classes and I'm sure you see this a lot. I'm, I'm curious, uh, about your thoughts on this, where a lot of times we have a, a husband wife pair that comes to the class and the husband is, is just there to sort of make it a more comfortable experience for the wife. He already knows everything. He just wants to make it a more comfortable experience for the wife and almost inevitably the wife ends up shooting better than the husband by the end of the class because she doesn't have training scars. She pays yep. attention in class. She doesn't bring the ego and all the baggage with her. Yep. Um, is, have you, do you share that experience? Have you seen that a lot? 100%. Yeah. I, yeah. I I'm honored to be able to help with active self protections, uh, national conference. And this last, uh, September, I was able to help in a, in a class of, completely brand new shooters. Uh, there was only one person in that class who really had any experience. Uh, and he was without a doubt, the worst shooter in the class because he assumed he already knew what he needed to know. And he really wasn't paying attention. So, yeah. 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 It's often um, the ladies who come in with, with no experience, they're willing to listen. And it's really, it, it's gratifying to, to watch them out shoot their husbands. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of it's one of my favorite things about training is is seeing that moment and the, and the the bullets of sweat dripping down the the husband's face as he's got a bigger group on the target than than his wife. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this all kind of started uh, in in some ways at least with your son. Uh, how old is your son now? Is he is he shooting age yet? Is he or he, is he under he, your tutelage in that regard yet? Yes, he is 12. Um, he shoots a little bit. Uh, I did give him a, a 22 rifle recently, so he shoots uh, with me, not off on his own. But, uh, yeah, shooting is not so much his thing. Uh, he's very musically gifted, and he loves music. But uh, he does enjoy shooting. Uh, I think more than that, he also enjoys jujitsu. We've got him in jujitsu, and he's... Uh, yeah, he he's really loving that lately. So, yeah, very cool. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, since uh, it's sort of a natural segue. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu and and the name of your YouTube channel, Pujitsu, which I'll link to, of course, in the show notes. Um, you know, a, a lot of people focus on the firearm, and there's a lot more to self-defense than the firearm, and a lot more 
ways to defend yourself. Of course, there are things like OC spray and hand-to-hand combat techniques that you can use. Uh, so I guess what what role has uh, jujitsu played in, in your sort of mindset and thinking around firearms training? Uh, what's behind the name Pujitsu and, and uh, how did you start your channel or what motivated you to start your channel? Well, I'll start with the name. And, you know, as a dad, I can't resist uh, a good pun. So, you know, jujitsu and pujitsu, they just they just went together. So yeah. uh, and I thought it was a good blend, too, because like you say, you know, people have guns and they often tend to default to those because it's the only tool they have or the only tool they think they have. And that's that's pretty dangerous uh, way of thinking because I've never had to shoot anybody, uh, thankfully. I really hope that I can keep that record. But uh, several times I have definitely had to uh, deflect some some ill intent, shall we say. Um, and that those times they didn't have a gun. If I had had a gun, I don't know what would have happened. Uh, you know, I I can still remember reading. Um, I don't remember what magazine it was. It was it was either a gun mag or a martial arts magazine, I'm sure, that talked about uh, reasonable levels of force and how you needed legally to to match a level of force. And I remember kind of being frustrated and thinking they had it wrong that, you know, if I'm defending myself, that I should be able to, you know, use more force than they were. And, and it's only as I got older that I realized no, they were correct, not only legally, but also morally. Uh, you cannot, you know, if somebody gives you a harsh look or a dirty word, you cannot shoot them, even if you feel attacked, right? That, And I'm sure that with you guys teaching legal classes, that's obvious to you, but it is remarkably not obvious uh, to a lot of people out there. And so that's part of why I started the channel. Um, it's kind of a, kind of a one-two punch there is that I started it to get some good information out and also to hold myself accountable uh, to practice regularly. And, you know, when I, when I post drills, which are, are never popular viewing, but I, I post those drills just to hold myself accountable. They're, they're, they're shot cold and I have to post them um, no matter how, how bad it is. And I flub some of them and it's embarrassing. And that kind of motivates me to train harder in between. So that's kind of why I do it. I, I don't, anticipate ever, um, you know, being a professional YouTuber. That's a lot of work to make videos and I'm, I'm not a professional videographer by any means, but, uh, hopefully I can keep taking some classes. Uh, you, I think you mentioned the Gabe White class that you saw on there and that's, you know, able to, to go to other professionals and, and, uh, basically steal small snippets of their content and, sh- and share that and, and hope that people will go, go find them on their own as well. Um, so that pretty much sums that up, I think. Yeah, I think that's how I love what you do because whether or not you become a professional YouTuber or, or, or get hundreds of thousands of followers, I think you've got a, a few thousand followers now. Um, you know, it's about sharing sort of your experience and, and hoping that maybe you'll speak to somebody who uh, may get something from it and who may be, become a more responsible firearms owner and, and a more responsible uh, citizens so that, you know, we, we hear all the time and from, uh, gun control advocates that, you know, this or that person acted irresponsibly. And that, that means we should take away everybody's right for, for this or that reason. Yeah. And so if, if, 
you can have some influence on somebody and in, in even just some small way, uh, of course, we, we, uh, that helps to stem the tide of people who want to take our rights away. So, so I appreciate uh, your efforts in that regard, but it's interesting too. You mentioned that your, your channel is sort of your accountability mechanism. Uh, I would say the same for me about the, the forge of freedom. Uh, I use it uh, in some ways as an accountability me mechanism to, to reflect on, who I am as a person, what sort of character am I building? Am, am I trying to improve and be a better husband and, and a family member and person? And uh, so I guess other than the channel, is there somebody that you have as an accountability uh, person? Uh, you know, is it your wife? Is it, is it another instructor? Is there somebody that you lean on uh, for accountability? Well, until recently, I would have had to say no, but Palisade Training Group recently took me under their wing. They're a local group of, um, they're, they're all Range Master certified, among other things. They're, they're far more experienced. They've adopted me as a, as a local instructor and let me let me attend their classes and, and help uh, help AI and, and you know, be a range safety officer with them as well. So I've, I've been able to, to be blessed to be able to train with them every couple of weeks and, and that motivates me to to stay busy so yeah. where where are they located they are primarily here in central texas although they do a little bit of traveling um especially for for some of the national conferences like um, like the range master uh, conference and um what's what's there's a couple of others and i'm i'm blanking out sorry oh no you're good uh so as I was looking at your your channel, I, I've watched a fair number of your videos, not not all of them by any means, but uh, it seems to be a fair mix of content about, uh, you know, you've got uh, reviews and comparisons of firearms, you, you post drills, you post, you know, you shooting and, and demonstrating the drill and, and, and shooting the drill cold, uh, among other things. What, um, I guess, when you started the channel, was it primarily a an accountability mechanism or did you have some other motivation for for starting the channel yeah it was primarily uh, accountability because it, and a great thing now as an instructor i always tell students you don't have um different nerve receptors for different sensations you don't have you know nerves for pressure and then different nerves for heat or cold it's all the same thing and likewise when you get uh, nervous uh, due to performance pressure, your body doesn't know the difference between um, a sport or a drill in front of class or a real defensive encounter. And so sometimes that's called stress inoculation. And so believe it or not, if I mean, if you've never done it, you've never experienced the stress, uh, make a video. You don't even have to post it. Just put yourself on video and you'll get a little bit nervous. It, it's the funniest thing. The first time I ever videoed myself for self-analysis, I, I had no plans to post it. I got a little bit nervous. And I thought, what on earth? Why is this happening? And so then when I committed to posting it online and letting others look at it, oh man, that nervousness went up again. And the first time I, I took a Gabe White class, he said, yeah, put, find ways to, to add stress. You know, when you're at home, you know, you're, you're, you're the most comfortable you'll ever be. You're doing dry practice. That's easy. So find ways to make it a little more stressful. If you add a camera, 
that's stress. If you add a shop timer, that's stress. When you add live fire, that's another level of stress. You do it in front of other people, more stress. Find ways to add stress and you'll find out where you where your skill really stands. Yeah, no, I think that's a wonderful point. Uh, my father and I, we, we, for a time, were instructors with uh, the Second Amendment Foundation Training Division, which has since uh, morphed into a, or spun off into a different organization. But we had to submit uh, a video of us doing the FBI instructor qualification every year. And so you're, you're exactly right. You wouldn't think, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but just performing, you know, that, that qualification uh, cold um, without the video is, you know, one thing, but then doing it with the video adds a whole another layer of stress for whatever reason. It doesn't, doesn't make sense, but, but it does. Uh, and, and I think it's a great uh, tool for people to use if they want to add stress to their training. Um, you know, and taking a class in person with an instructor watching you too is, is another uh, way to do that, of course. Uh, but if you're just shooting in your backyard or at a range, uh, adding video to the mix can can sort of insert that stress even without an instructor. So I, I love that. I love that point. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned Pugitsu. It, it was sort of a, a pun. Um, but what what else is behind the name? I assume it has some uh, genesis in, in your experience with, with jujitsu. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I've, I've had the, the ability to be in various martial arts most of my life. We, my parents were missionaries and we were overseas. So guns were not really an option, even though, uh, it was a, you know, kind of a gun friendly, uh, family. So my dad put us uh, in karate when we were quite young, and that's um, not particularly useful, uh, I think, in, in terms of self-defense for, you know, a lot of the traditional martial arts are, uh, unfortunately, um, probably going to make some people mad with that, but maybe not uh, now that we're at, at this stage of the game with mixed martial arts and whatnot, but a lot of the traditional martial arts are too uh, structured and and pretty much divorced from reality. They're they're uh, dance forms that look a little bit like fighting, and so. Um, but it 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 gave me a love um, for martial arts, and I just took that and and uh, then didn't have the option there for a little while in my teen years, and so I found a friend who who also did, and we got some some pads, and we just started beating each other up and. Uh, kind of like the gun training experience with my son, as you know, I'm I'm sparring this friend of mine who was quite a bit smaller than I was. I quickly realized, wow, he's landing just as many hits as I'm landing, but he has no martial arts training, and I have you know a couple of years of karate. What's wrong with this picture? Well, I said, okay, so everything I thought I was doing that was so great is not, and uh, it just kind of gave me an eye to realize that just because somebody's uh, taking your money and training you doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. And uh, continued on, just basically training realistically with friends. And at the 90s, uh, there was there was not a lot of great resources. You know, the internet was just becoming a thing, and so we had we had videotapes, and so we did some various Japanese jujitsu and and just figured out what works and what doesn't, and. You know, uh, we did a lot of it wrong and, and missed a lot of crucial details, I'm sure. But it really, um, 
you know, in, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And so rest, wrestling around with people, I uh, didn't matter if they wanted to hit me or not. I, I found pretty quickly that folks on, on doing what works uh, was just kind of a, a superpower of not accepting other people's word for this works and, and, and this doesn't. Um, and so continuing on, I'm kind of the jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, you know, I'm I'm really just a white belt in in many different arts, I suppose. But uh, I, my most recent one has been Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I like grappling in general better than striking. Uh, now I'm in my late 40s, and the body does not appreciate being beat up. Uh, does not recover as quickly as it used to. And the real problem with striking, not that it's not advantageous uh, for self-defense, it's that it's very hard to practice realistically. Um, because there's there's so much. If you're trying to be nice to your partner, you, you don't want to you don't want to break your toys, right? They, they're your training partners. You you don't want to beat them up, and at the same time, you don't want to be beat up. So how do you practice something that requires beating something up without actually doing that? So it's not that there's not a lot of value there. It's just that it's hard to apply. Whereas with a grappling art, you can apply that pretty close to full force. And, you know, and still come to a stop in time. And, and there's a clear winner, loser, this works, this doesn't. So, you know, obviously, if you can mix those two, they're great. Um, but my experience has just been that as, as I move forward, I'm probably going to stick more with, with grappling and, you know, very light striking. But, uh, yeah, like I said, my son's in jiu-jitsu. I'm having to take a break right now. But... Uh, I'll go back to Brazilian jiu-jitsu as soon as I can. Very cool. Uh, one thing that I, I you mentioned, you know, you you don't want to get beat up. Uh, one and in, in you you know your story about uh, sort of sparring with with your friend who was much smaller than you were, and sort of having a realization, uh, sort of a another one of those uh, moments of humility. Uh, one thing that I think is so great about, and this is applies to firearms training and to, to whether it's grappling or, or striking or, or various forms of martial arts is that you realize how bad this can be and how important, like you said earlier, deflecting conflict is, de-escalation is. Would you mind to say a little bit about how uh, jujitsu has sort of changed your mindset in that regard or, or if it has, I'm assuming that it has, but uh, would you mind to say a little bit about that? It has. It has. Uh, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm trying to decide if, if that's had the, the biggest impact. Um, it, it's certainly up there. Obviously, my, my faith is, is part of it, is being humble. But it's, it's one thing to hear as a young man that you need to be humble. And then it's another as you get older and, and life uh, serves you up all these lessons and you realize that... Uh, the, the validity of what you've been taught. So, yeah, you know, you you go into martial arts and you you think, well, I don't know much, but you know, young people, young men especially, tend to uh, full of you know full of vim, vigor, vitality, and they just want to go out and and hit stuff, and um, it's kind of the natural order of things, I suppose. But uh, after you've taken some shots, you realize things can go south for you pretty quickly. And it doesn't matter how much you train. You go in and you can fight somebody who's brand new and they can, you know, maybe it's luck, maybe it's random chance, but they can ring your bell and it's, uh, 
it's not pretty. So, yeah, completely aside from the legal aspect, uh, you know, I had a friend who was who was involved in a in a shooting. He he had to shoot to defend himself, and it's no fault of his own. I mean, he was in his own home when this happened, and he had to spend about six thousand dollars on a on a retainer for a, a case that never never made it to the grand jury. Even the lawyer, the 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 uh, prosecuting prosecutor for the county said, "Yeah, that was that was a good shoot." You know what? Still cost him six thousand dollars, right? For for functionally nothing, right? To defend himself. And I've seen a lot of instances uh, where people let their ego uh, write a check that their wallet and their body can't cash, and uh, I don't want any part of that. So, yeah, yeah, going going to martial arts has been a big part of that. It, it's humbling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and that's uh, I think similar. At least I had a similar experience in in firearms training as well. That the the first time you go and take a a quality firearms training course, uh, you know you're probably not going to be the best shooter in the class, or even if you are, you're going to be challenged to a great deal deal, and it's it's a humbling experience. Uh, and I, I think the more training you get, uh, the more you realize that. The, the win uh, with a firearm is avoiding the situation, uh, avoiding the conflict. Uh, because like you said, uh, even if your uh, actions were justified, it may still cost you time, money, uh, emotional expense, uh, if you're lucky. Uh, so mm-hmm. some, some people yeah. um, you know, have been perfectly innocent, and it's cost them much more than that. So uh you know a lot of this training and, and mindset is about uh awareness and, and avoidance um can you talk a little bit about uh, sort of your perspective i guess in that regard is is awareness and avoid avoidance something that you think about a lot uh in your training or or uh something that that you talk about much uh would you mind to say a little bit about that sure yeah uh, uh, being being aware and avoiding stuff is is absolutely um you know kind of key to life walking around uh paying attention not being on your phone uh as you move around and um a, a lot of things i think can be avoided i there was one particular instance it wasn't it wasn't a violent encounter but uh i was traveling with a with a couple of friends, we were in we were in England, and we were kind of in a, in a little bit of a touristy spot. And uh, it was it was a high traffic area. We're in this little shop. There was this one guy who came in like right behind us, and I wasn't particularly interested in this shop. And so I'm you know just kind of paying attention to my surroundings and enjoying it, but but still had my head on my shoulders. And my two friends are really looking through the shop, and they're pretty much oblivious and realized this the way this other guy was moving through the shop it wasn't like a normal shopper and he was there for quite a while my friends were being really slow and and finally I, this guy put me on edge so much that I, I i stopped looking at everything else and i just watched him i just stood there and stared at him not socially acceptable but he was he was really giving me the heebie-jeebies and finally he turned and he looked at me and he saw me just staring at him, and I didn't look away, and I just looked at him. And after about three seconds, he gives me the nod of, all right, all right, and 
He immediately turned and walked off. Didn't see him again. My guess is that he was probably just looking for a pickpocket, you know, you know, somebody to, to, to let their purse get a little too far away from him. But it was just a little bit of awareness. Uh, and, he, and he went on his way. Right. Just acknowledging yeah. that, hey, I see you. Right. Because the fact is, we all go to the same watering holes. As, as a child, I would watch these uh, videos in Africa and I think, man, why are the antelopes? Showing up at the same watering hole where the lions are. Well, they don't have a choice, right? The lions go there because that's where their food is, and antelopes go there because that's where their water is. They don't have a, you know, there is no third option of there's a watering hole with no lions. Lions are everywhere, right? They're following us. And they're, it's okay. We have to acknowledge that the lions and the hyenas and all of these predators are out there, and they're not that far away. We just have to see them because when they see us see them, most of them move on to the next antelope, right? Most of them. Now, sometimes maybe not. But the the next level up there is be a little harder target. Don't be don't be the antelope with a limp, right? So put away your phone, see people. You know, I'm not saying give them the eye. That could start a fight, right? In in certain contexts, um, I've I've been walking through, and as I look at somebody, they you know, want to kind of muscle up and stare at me. And, you know, if I, if I stared back, that would have probably caused conflict. So I want to be aware and see them without, you know, inviting that educational beatdown because they feel disrespected. But, uh, yeah, if, if people would just be aware, um, and, and also have a little training because having some training, uh, I think makes you more confident and, it changes the way you walk that you, you really can't fake confidence. A lot of people try, you know, they're the blowhards. We all know exactly who they are because they do a lot of talking and yet they're the, they're the weakest, um, emotionally weakest, maybe not physically, but you can tell they're, they're really insecure and they're, and they're talking big to try to cover that up and everybody knows it. So. Yeah. I, I love, I love, your examples that, you know, the, the person in the parking lot looking for a potential victim and, and the, the antelope and the lions and, uh, all these examples and this point about, you know, genuine confidence rather than sort of fake bravado or fake confidence. I was recently talking to a dog trainer who was, he was saying, you know, you can, say this or that to your dog. You can give your dog all these commands, but dogs have the best sense for a liar. They know that you're lying, whether it's the tone of your voice or your body language, whatever it is. And I think that that is true with criminals too, and sort of the criminal mind, right? I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with Dr. William April. He's he's no longer with us, but but he talked about this concept of thin slicing where criminals basically do what you just talked about. They, they, they look for the easy target. And if they know, whether that's through eye contact or some other uh, sort of confidence that they sense about you, they'll move on. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I, I think that that's something that if people realize, it does, it's not like they have to be paranoid, right? They don't have to constantly be on high alert. Uh, it's just sort of a, a general awareness. Uh, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, Dr. April was genius, and I really love his his line about you don't you don't have to understand why and, you know they're going to do they're going to do something. It it just is. You don't have 
your your consent uh, and understanding are not required for them to take everything that is dear to you. So, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, all right. So one thing you mentioned earlier, I think, is that you're a I'd like you to touch on is that you're a sort of a jack of all trades, a, a master of none. And uh, part of what I like about you know, your approach is that it's it's a very a practical approach, a, sort of a real life. Uh, you know, how can I optimize my ability uh, in various ways to to avoid becoming a victim, uh, whether that's through you know hand on hand to hand combat or or martial arts or firearms training uh, or awareness uh, techniques, etc. Uh, you, you don't come off to me as this person who's you know doing all this tactical sort of uh training and you know busting down doors and those sorts of things you're you're trying to 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 optimize your skill uh in a way that you can protect your family provide for your family uh in the gardening world uh you know and uh protect yourself so uh, I'd like you to talk a little bit about what what sort of the goal is of training it's not to become a master uh, or if it's not to become a master, what is it? Well, uh, the old Roman saying, civis passum parabellum, to have peace, you must prepare for war. It's, I, 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 I have no desire to be a professional uh, in, in the realm of violence. Um, I, I would have probably when I was younger. Um, I, I plan to join the military and... Uh, that didn't work out, but uh, at, at this point in my life, I just wanna I want to live peacefully, and I have to be responsible. Um, one of my biggest frustrations over the last couple of years is that um, the number of professionals in the gun industry really want to kind of kind of beat people up about you're not training hard enough. Well, you know, for those of us who are not making a living in that space. Uh, it, it feels like a, a standard that we can't live up to because we, you know, we can't all be grandmasters in the shooting sport, right? I mean, that's strictly a numbers game that only the top few are going to be uh, the best. But, you know, how good is good enough, right? I mean, if, if, if I don't enjoy guns, let's say, but I recognize the value of guns as a tool and decide I'm going to get good enough with them uh, on the off chance that I ever have to use them. I mean, how good do I have to be? Not super good, probably. I mean, yeah, there's always outliers. But realistically, uh, we, we can't all uh, train for the worst case scenario. That, that's not life. We, don't, we all have limited time and resources. So if I'm 20% good at guns and I'm 20% good at hand-to-hand, and I'm, you know, 20% good with medical, and I'm 20% uh, good with my health, you know, the 80-20 the rule applies here, right? I, I've just gained, with 20% of effort in each area, I'm 80% of the way there on each of those areas, right? And then I still have enough of my time and attention left uh, to devote to my family, my finances, and the rest of life. So I just think people need to be... Um, I do think people need to start off as jack of all trades. If they if they get to be a hobbyist, uh, you know, I asked Gabe White how to, uh, what how good he thought somebody should be, and he kind of he he's just 
to me, he's the penultimate hobbyist. He he loves it, and uh, he he started talking about how well maybe people would would get into it and they'd enjoy it, and then they'd train more. And um, it's not really the answer I thought I would get, but um, and I don't think it applies to everybody. He does that because he loves it. And he wasn't holding everybody to that standard, but some people kind of do go out of their way and say, well, if you're not, if you're not training as much time as I am, then you're just, you might as well not train, which I think is, is ludicrous. Um, I, I think it's better to be a little bit good at everything. And then if you really love something, uh, you know, a lot of the people in jujitsu, they don't, they don't do it for self-defense. They do it because it's, it's physical activity, you know, it gives them enjoyment. Uh, it's a, it's a mental challenge as well as a physical challenge. It helps keep them healthy. And, you know, I think a lot of people there, they're not even thinking about self-defense at all. It, it's strictly a sport to them and that's fine. Um, I do think it's going to help them with self-defense because they'll be uh, physically healthier. And just like shooting sports don't fully apply to uh, self-defense encounter it still gives you the basic skills you need in that self-defense encounter so you know be a little bit good at everything and then if you love something go ahead and deep dive on it but don't neglect all of the other things uh, just because you love this one thing so much yeah i i love this point um because i think a lot of people are intimidated uh you know they, they feel like man, maybe I do need a firearm for self-defense. And, and then they see uh, all these people on YouTube who are saying you, you have to be able to have a one second draw or, or perform this drill in so many seconds. And, and they feel like, oh my gosh, there's no way I could ever do that. And so they just never get started. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I think people miss this 80-20 rule that, that you, you mentioned where you get most of your gains with uh, you know very little effort uh, at the very beginning. And you can get to 80% without too much uh, too much work. It's that last 20% that's difficult to, to get to, to that grand master level. We're not trying to be Max Michelle, you know, or, uh, Rob Latham. Uh, we're, we're trying to be effective at, at the discipline. And, um, uh, for people who are interested in more of your thoughts about this, I know you did a, an episode recently with concealedcarry.com about how good is, is good enough. I'll certainly link to that show in the show notes, but I think this is a super important point and I wanted to, to touch on it in this episode because I, I want people to feel like they can get started and, and make a lot of progress with some intentional effort, um, you know, up front. And then you can sort of maintain your skill without too much difficulty over the long run. Would you, yeah. you agree with that? Totally agree. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I, I hate to admit it. I haven't been practicing as much as I should. I find that when I do go out and I haven't lost that much. You can train up to a certain point and then you can just kind of coast on it. Occasionally, you know, give a little more power and, and then go back to coasting if you need to. Sometimes, you know, life life happens. Life gets in the way and uh, we can't we can't all maintain ultra high proficiency, uh, even if we love it. So you don't have to feel yeah. bad about that. Put in a little time, a little more than usual, and then you can you can just, you know, Keep the wheels turning occasionally, and and you'll be fine. Yeah, uh, I listen to. He's actually from Texas as well. Uh, I think he lives in the Fort Worth area. There's uh, another podcaster. His name is Jack Spearco. He runs the Survival Podcast, and he does. He talks some about firearms, but primarily about uh, 
basically raising a garden, uh, you know, how to handle things in your family, preparedness, those sorts of things. Uh, and I think the same principle applies not just to firearms, right, but what to, to MMA or jujitsu and firearms and, and preparedness. And one of the things he says is that we're not trying to prepare for the end of the world disaster, right, the zombie apocalypse. We're, we're trying to prepare for the thing that's most likely to happen, which is a power outage for, for a week, you know, or, or three to five days. And if you can prepare for that, you're far more prepared than most people. And the same applies, the criminal that's going to attack you is not going to be Max Michelle or Rob Latham. They're not going to have that sort of skill, right? I mean, most of the time, if you have uh, just, you've gone through a basic NRA course, and then you've taken some other training, whether that's MAG-40 with Masada Ayub or Range Master with Tom Givens, you're going to have skills, you're going to be at that 80% and be able to address most of the threats that are going to come your way. Right. Um, so I think that's an important concept for people to to understand. Now, you have any, any other thoughts on, on that before we uh, start to wrap up the show here? No, I think you summed it up. OK, excellent. Uh, well, Gabe, I, I, I know we talked a little bit about, um, you, know, you know, your, your faith what, and you know, your how you got into firearms training and started the Pujitsu channel. Um, if you would here as we close, would you mind to talk a little bit more about the the channel? You know, where can people find it? Is it just on YouTube? Can they find it through other ways? Uh, and what are your plans for the channel going forward? Yeah, so I'm primarily on YouTube, uh, a little bit on Facebook as well. Share some some kind of content that doesn't translate well uh, to YouTube. I I do have a an Instagram handle, but uh, they shadow banned me years ago, and I haven't really uh, done anything there due to that. So. Uh, yeah, pretty much just Facebook and YouTube. What I'm going to do going forward, hopefully uh, more of the same. Um, I hope to be able to take some classes, get some get some good content from respected instructors, uh, share some stuff, share some good reviews because ultimately uh, that kind of what brings in subscribers. And, and while I'm not too worried about that, I, I mean, I guess I am, not, but not in terms of, of my own ego of having a large channel. It's just that's what gets people to see the other content and, and hopefully kind of elevates the, the community as a whole. So, Yeah, good deal. Well, Gabe, I, I really appreciate you joining the show and agreeing to, to tag along today. Uh, if there's anything else you'd like to say in closing, I'll, I'll give you one last word here, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Hey, just thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah. it. No problem. Appreciate you coming along. Uh, all right, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Gabe New uh, with Pujitsu. Uh, you can find that on on YouTube and, like Gabe said, uh, on Facebook as well. Uh, of course, I'd encourage you to go check out his channel and his, and his Facebook Facebook page. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you uh, enjoy the conversation. Share it with your family and friends. Of course, if you haven't already, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to help us spread the message of freedom. And until next time, remember, you are the Forge of Freedom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Forge of Freedom. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. For more information or to connect with Alex, you can go to forgeoffreedom.com or follow him on Twitter at Forge of Freedom. Until next time, remember, you are the Forge of Freedom.